Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the Clinical Editor. Today I'm going to be speaking to Harpreet Channa. Harpreet is a pharmacist and the founder of the Mental Wealth Academy and we're going to be discussing the mental health impact of COVID-19. A few weeks ago the CND held a webinar at the Clinical Pharmacy Conference where we discussed the long-term effects of COVID-19 on people who've been affected with the virus. You can see the highlights from the webinar over on the CND website. I followed up with some of our speakers after the webinar to ask a few more questions. This is what Harpreet had to say. Do you think pharmacy teams are both practically and mentally prepared for a second wave of COVID-19? This is a really great question. And during the webinar, I did pick up on a few of these points, but it's great to be able to sort of expand on these a little bit. Because from a practical point of view, I would say to you, pharmacy teams are as well, actually, from both points of view, really practical and mental, pharmacy teams are as prepared as the amount of preparation that they put in, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is we can choose to be reactive or we can choose to be proactive. And I think if we just take ourselves back six months and look at where we were six months ago, and the situation the profession found itself in, how we absolutely rose to the occasion and dealt with it fantastically. They really are some amazing pharmacy heroes out there. We can either take the learnings from that or we can sort of sit back and be reactive again. And me personally, having seen and heard firsthand the accounts from my friends and peers and colleagues of just how awful the months of March, April and May were in particular, I would really hope and urge my colleagues to spend some time just preparing and planning both practically and mentally for what we know we're about to face in the next six months or so. And what I mean by that is, again, if we take ourselves back to March and look at some of the things that happened, we had the GPs close their doors, of course, and it wasn't something that we were expecting. It sort of happened overnight. We had patients, an absolute influx and deluge of patients who were scared, who were frightened, who were anxious, frustrated, piling into the pharmacy, wanting to speak to somebody, anybody within healthcare that could help them with their query. And because that was unexpected and it was unplanned for, and of course, at the time, pharmacies didn't have a one in and one out policy. And so we've got the deluge of patients coming in. Many of my colleagues I know had to take security guards and security personnel on because A lot of these patients became aggressive, they became violent almost because they wanted to be seen straight away. People overnight suddenly thought that there was going to be a medicine shortage and so they were trying to stockpile their medicines and we weren't struggling to get hold of them and so again there was anger and frustration there. And I know some of this, Naomi, because at the time I was working for the NPA and I worked on their COVID survey responses so I saw hundreds of responses from pharmacy owners who were talking about the impact of COVID on their business. So, you know, yes, we had the influx of patients. We had the security personnel that had to be taken on. We had stockpiling of medication and people piling in to try and get hold of their meds and getting upset when they couldn't. We also had panic buying, didn't we, of thermometers and paracetamol and hand gel and masks because this really did catch us unawares that we would need all of these things. And so patients were running out to go and stock up on these things. And of course, pharmacies were running out. 
and the inevitable fallout just like we saw over you know toilet rolls we had that in pharmacy people fighting over bottles of Calpol because they wanted to have it in just on the off chance they might need it and then we had the lack of PPE so we had all these patients coming in that might or might not have had COVID symptoms and yet our staff didn't have the level of protective equipment that they needed there were no screens in place as well as I said so we've got all these patients coming in we're, we're struggling to manage the one in one out there isn't any PPE there aren't any screens in place there was a huge increase in the number of deliveries suddenly everybody overnight didn't want to be going out anymore understandably and so wanted deliveries from the pharmacy and of course a lot of pharmacies their delivery drivers are of the elderly population and a lot of them were shielding and so they weren't able to do any of the deliveries and so you've got you know this massive demand for people wanting deliveries and no one to do them and so i mean some of the anecdotal reports that we saw about people working 16 17 hours a day having to do hours of delivery after their shifts had finished to make sure the patients were getting their medication and you know doing that six seven days a week absolutely exhausted the profession i think at the time i was genuinely concerned for the mental well-being of so many of my friends and colleagues because of the sheer amount of work and stress that they were put under at the time and so when you ask if pharmacy teams are practically prepared i would sincerely hope so looking at some of those things and and of course all of these things affect our mental well-being and so it's important that we cover these off here but in terms of managing these things there are certain things that they can do do you think there's a lot of apprehension about the second wave you know because I know that this has all happened before and there were probably everyone's remembering all the stress they were under and how they felt do you think there's a certain amount of apprehension about that happening again absolutely Naomi I'm seeing it already I'm already seeing again friends colleagues peers saying that because the second wave is coming they're starting to see panicked patients again panic buying stockpiling medications and of course they're managing this on top of flu vaccinations and the demand for flu vaccinations this year has been higher than any other year prior to this so they're having again to manage all of these factors and so absolutely there is a huge amount of apprehension about oh my gosh how on earth are we going to be able to cope with this a second time round but I would say let's take the learnings from the first time round there are certain things that we can put in place now to ensure that some of the things that caught us off guard last time we can prepare ourselves this time and I would say things like although the GPs still have closed doors a lot of them are doing consultations virtually and I know that even the senior population a lot of them now their kids their grandkids have set them up with tablets with you know zoom accounts or whatever it might be so there's an opportunity to offer virtual consultations particularly to that population that might not the silver surface they're called aren't they that might not have had access to that kind of technology before the other thing that we can do and we can work hard with the GPs on this is to roll out electronic repeat dispensing and I've worked with a couple of surgeries in my career in the past on this and we've done a huge drive locally to get patients on electronic repeat dispensing because it just means then they're not hammering the door of the surgery and us when they need their medications and we can sort of take that pressure away from them so if that's something that you can do locally to try and manage that workload get it done and you know the great thing about that is once we're post-pandemic they'll still stay on that electronic repeat dispensing so it means you can manage your workload going forward so honestly that it is a really beneficial thing to do so try and get that out if you can in terms of patients coming in and out of the pharmacy 
I mean, we're all used to this now, aren't we? We're used to going to supermarkets and having to wait outside. A lot of them don't even have security guards on anymore. It's just what we, we've got used to. So I would say that just make sure we're educating our patients that that still stands. It is one in, one out, and to follow that process. In terms of the stockpiling of medication, I mean, that's about educating patients. It's about using your website, using social media. If uh, you use that locally, putting slips in the bags and saying, look, you don't need to stockpile medication. We can get hold of it and getting the GPs in on this as well for them to have conversations with their patients, particularly if their patients are ordering stockpiles of things when particularly they don't normally have them, particularly if things like PRN medication, they only need it as required. And if they're suddenly stocking up on a lot, these are the kinds of conversations that we can be having with our patients and just educating them that they don't need to stockpile in this way. And then in terms of the panic buying, I mean, you know, again, all of us have hand gel, all of us have masks. If you need to get more thermometers and paracetamol and get them in stock up, you know that these things are going to go. People want them. There is a demand for them. So just make sure you're stocking to meet demand. And I think that back in March, April, May, there was just almost a national shortage of these things, whereas now we've been able to get hold of them once again. So just make sure that you've got plentiful stock on your shelves. The lack of PPE, this is a, an interesting one. I actually only found out today, and it was because I saw something on Twitter about the Department of Health offering free PPE to community pharmacy. And I wonder how many of my colleagues didn't realise that. So there's no reason now why your staff shouldn't have access to PPE all the time. I would get on the gov.uk website. I think there's a portal that you can find out through the PSNC website. I saw it on today. You can go find that link, get on the website, order that PPE for all the staff within your pharmacy. There's no reason why they shouldn't have access to that now and there shouldn't be any risks around that. And again, with screen protections, most people have put those screens up now. So again, that shouldn't be a problem going forward. And then again, if we know that there's going to be an increase in deliveries, then it's about planning in advance and seeing what that looks like. Are there other staff that can do deliveries? Do you have to take on somebody else as a part-time delivery driver? What do you need within your pharmacy to ensure that that demand for deliveries is being met at the moment? So, you know, these are just some practical things that people can do within the pharmacy so that they are prepared when we're talking about a second wave. Okay, so Harper, we've covered the practical advice on how pharmacy teams can be prepared to face a second wave, but what about the mental side of things? A lot of the things that were happening practically is what affected the mental health of pharmacy teams in that first wave. And so I think there are a number of things, again, if we look at what things were coming up at the time and what things were reported to me at the time, the main areas of concern and you know sort of anxiety if you will was firstly around the lack of PPE and protective equipment as we know that that's sort of been resolved now but there was a number of staff that were off shielding or that had symptoms of COVID or that somebody in their family had symptoms of COVID and so they had to go off at short notice which caused staff shortages and that caused a huge amount of stress and strain on already stretched pharmacy teams who were having to deal with the increased demand and then there was also a big worry about being exposed to risk at work. 
and having to then go home, particularly for those people who were in charge of vulnerable individuals, you know, or live with, you know, vulnerable individuals, to have to go out to work and potentially expose yourself to risk for patients who are coming in without masks and you didn't have a mask and, and then having to go home and potentially exposing your family to that risk. There was a massive amount of stress and anxiety around that. People were genuinely really worried about it. And there was causing almost bad feeling amongst the team, particularly if you've got staff that were at home and who weren't working and were having to shield or what have you, but there were staff that were having to go in and work. That caused quite a bit of bad feeling amongst pharmacy teams because it's not no, through no fault of the person that was shielding. It's just that is what they had to do. But you can imagine, can't you, Naomi, when you've got a team of people and you've got certain people who are at home and certain people who are having to come into work that could cause potential bad feeling in that way that they're not there helping their team out and they're effectively at home and the people who are at home reported feeling really guilty about the fact that they were leaving their pharmacy colleagues in the lurch whilst they were sat at home because they had to so some real issues there and then of course the economic impact to pharmacy owners and we've seen so many reports of this haven't we and the mk survey was one there's been a number of other surveys that have looked at the economic impact and the amount of stress and anxiety that comes with that in terms of how these pharmacy owners were going to pay for things like the PPE, like the extra staff and all of those things, not knowing for sure whether or not they were going to get reimbursed by the department for that. And of course, getting a loan, which has helped, but it's just an advance. It was a loan. So that's got to be paid back. And so that caused a lot of stress at the time. And then, of course, we've got the long term effect of people working those, you know, really long six, seven days a week and having to do deliveries and stuff outside of work hours. I mean, that's the long term effect of just working that length of time with no time off, very little downtime, the huge amount of stress and burden that everyone was carrying at the time. Again, these were some of the issues that we faced six months ago. And if I look at what learnings we could take for that, how can we prepare ourselves this time round? What can we do? because some of these things haven't changed. For instance, you are going to have staff that go off at short notice and there will be staff shortages. There still is an increase in deliveries, as we've just said. We still don't know if pharmacy owners are going to be reimbursed by the Department of Health for some of the things that they've had to pay out for. And we've still got that long-term effect. And even longer now, I mentioned on the webinar, we all, not just patients, we all suffer with seasonal affective disorder and some of us more so than others. And so we already feel down in the winter months now we've got all this that we're facing as well. So it is a really stark prospect looking at the next six months ahead and thinking from a mental health perspective, my goodness, what can I, as a pharmacy owner, as a pharmacy manager, what can I do to help my team? I would say the best thing that you can do is speak to your team and get them involved in both building a contingency plan for the business and also how you can all look after your well-being. What I mean by that is every business has a, a bit like a DR plan, disaster recovery or contingency plan. You know some of the things that happened last time. Again, utilise those learnings. And what can you do and what can you put in place in your business so that if these things happen again, you've got a contingency plan in place? Are there other people that you can ask to do deliveries for you? Who are the people that are going to be able to come into work? What does that look like? And I would say I think sometimes managers, leaders, can make the mistake of thinking that they have to do this by themselves. You absolutely don't. Sometimes the best ideas can come from the one person that you would never expect it. It could be the really quiet counter assistant who might come out and say, actually, why don't we do this? Get the staff involved and say, these are the things we experienced last time. What can we put in place? 
ask for their ideas because that's the best way to get buy-in right from the beginning and it just means that any plan that you have they know what to expect and they've had a part in putting that together you can do that around sort of the practical things and the contingency the other thing that you can do is think about well-being within the place that you work in within the team that you have and really if you're listening to this and you are a line manager whether an owner whether a pharmacy manager whatever if you are a line manager you really do have to lead by example your staff and your patients will be looking at you to see what you do around well-being so if you are that person that never takes annual leave that just pushes themselves to continue working you don't take days off you don't take breaks during the day and you push and push and then you end up snapping because of course you're tired you're exhausted you're angry frustrated people see that and people do replicate that behavior and so it's really important that you try and lead from the front and lead by example so if you do have a day off coming take it try and get some physical exercise as best as you can it became really easy didn't it in the last lockdown that people turned to coping mechanisms like alcohol and eating more and drinking more and just staying in and not doing very much because you know sort of going on netflix binges because it was the easiest thing to do and it provided us comfort and it's going to be even worse in winter because it's going to be cold outside no one's going to want to go outside so physical exercise is one of the most proven things that you can do for mental well-being it really is and so i would say to you how can you get physical exercise into your day whether it's a 10-15 minute walk at lunchtime whether it's on your commute whether you just take five minutes out of the dispensary to get some fresh air so when you can feel yourself being pushed when you can feel that you're about to snap rather than just keeping going and pushing yourself to that point take that five minute break out of the dispensary get some fresh air your staff will see that too and encourage them to do the same if you know that you're up against it that these are the kinds of things that we're going to have to do over the next few months just to keep ourselves in check so take that physical exercise get out and get some fresh air take a break eat well sleep well do some type of deep breathing whether it's meditation mindfulness whatever it might be but again if you can feel yourself being pushed don't let yourself get to that point take that break do some deep breathing there's plenty of stuff that we do around this and i've put a couple of resources together that are available on my website not just around sort of how to switch off and how to manage our mental well-being but also around prioritizing workload i'm hearing a lot from colleagues at the moment that they just feel absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of sheer amount of work that they've got to do and so i've kind of put together my prioritizing my to-do list a planner so when you're sitting there in the day and you think i don't know where to start it just helps you to figure out what needs doing when and you can work out what needs to be done first and really if there's things that don't need to be done by you delegate you know that would be the biggest thing that i say don't take everything on i know as pharmacists we're really guilty of that but don't take everything on yourself and think that you can do it your team are there to help and support you and delegate where you can and so these are all kinds of things that I think we can do to try and prepare ourselves mentally and practically for that second wave of COVID. And I really hope that people have found some of that helpful and useful. And of course, you know, you know where I am if you want to come in and speak to me directly, Naomi, and I'm sure we'll cover that at the end as well. Yeah, you mentioned there about having some resources on your website, and that was something I was going to ask as well. Is there any other widely available resources that people can use either to distribute to their teams or if they're feeling not great themselves you know where can people find that kind of information to get some additional support at the minute i have to say that pharmacist supports the wardley wellbeing hub is fantastic absolutely fantastic and they had a campaign and i was a partner on one of those campaigns because i really think that the resource that they've created 
is really, really of great quality. And I only wish that I'd had that four years ago when I needed it, because there wasn't anything like that out there for pharmacists at the time. And so I would urge people to go and have a look at that hub and really look at some of the resources that are there for themselves and for their teams. There's a couple of other places that they can go as well. Mind is great. Healthy Minds Matter, Mind, they have a lot of workplace stuff you can implement locally within your teams that you can use, and again, and for yourself, if not just for your teams. So there's, there's quite a few different resources. So the pharmacist support, there's Mind, there's Healthy Mind Matters. And again, I mean, you can come and have a conversation with me if there's something you want to to do or you're not quite sure where to start with mental well-being in a pharmacy environment that's what I do <laughs> that's what I'm an expert on so if you want to have a conversation with me absolutely feel free to get in touch with me and I can you know either try and point you in the right direction or help you implement some strategies within your own workplace so that we can try and safeguard the the mental well-being of yourself and your team Thanks, Harpreet. That's really helpful. And for the next question, I was going to ask, how can pharmacy teams support staff members who've been suffering from long COVID? So that's those that have contracted the virus and are recovering. I'm going to pick up on something I I said in the first question, which was around the ill feeling and the bad feeling between team members, because it's probably something that we didn't realise at the time. I certainly didn't realise it until I started to speak to people. And I understood that, oh my goodness, you know, there are people who are having to go into work and expose themselves to risk and their families at risk at the time where other people are having to shield at home and there's ill feeling on both sides from the person that's having to go in and from the person that feels guilty because they're sat at home whilst their colleagues are having to deal with the pressure and the stress of what was going on at the time and so the biggest things that I can say from both sides is that we've got to have patience with each other we've got to have respect and understanding for each other because you know this is not of anyone's making and people are going to have to shield and people are going to have to you know quarantine or self-isolate because either they or a family member have come into contact with somebody this is the new norm i hate to have to use that phrase but it is and this is here to stay for some time and i think that we just have to exercise patience and understanding and respect with each other appreciate that this is not something that we can control again I cannot stress the importance of communication I think sometimes misunderstandings can occur when we don't communicate with each other oh well why are they doing this and why have they said that you know how it can get in a workplace so I would say that regular communication and contact between the team within the pharmacy and whoever that person is at home because they will also feel isolated don't think that they're sitting at home having the party they won't be as I said from my experience they're usually feeling really guilty that they're not at work. So I would have some regular contact with them if you can. Whatever that looks like, whether you do like a group video call or or something like that, or if there's a particular member of staff that's friendly with the person that's shielding, just make sure that they're having regular contact. If you're a manager and you've got somebody off, agree with them at the start of the period how often they want to hear from you because that's the other thing I think sometimes we just think oh you know we'll just leave them to it for a couple of weeks and you know just let us know when you're sort of ready and I think this happens when people are off with mental illness as well you know I think that the best thing you can do is when somebody's in that situation just ask them we shouldn't be afraid of asking the person involved what they need from us as a boss as a manager as a team so if they want us to keep in touch then then great and and do and ask them how they are and really listen That's the other key piece as well. So, you know, in terms of supporting those staff members, they're the kind of main things that I would say we could do. 
And, and one last thing, Naomi, just thinking about this from a physical point of view, I know I've said ask the, the member of staff in terms of how they want to stay in contact, but if they are still struggling with symptoms of long COVID, it's about what reasonable adjustments can you make in the workplace for them? Again, it's just having that communication channel open. Let them know that they can come and talk to you if they are having problems. Let them know that there are reasonable adjustments that you can make within the pharmacy if they need it. And that would be the same for any physical or mental illness. So it's no different really, just um, as I said, keep those lines of communication open. That's Harpeet Chana, the founder of the Mental Wealth Academy, discussing the impacts of COVID-19 on mental health. If you'd like to see the CND webinar where we discuss the long-term effects of COVID-19 with a panel of experts, head over to the CND website to see the highlights. Now let's get back to the podcast. What kind of signs and symptoms should we be looking out for in our colleagues or family members of people that who may potentially be suffering from mental illness, either as a result of COVID symptoms or the wider effect that it's having on everybody? That's a bit of a difficult one, I think, Naomi, because it's not always easy to notice the signs and symptoms of mental illness. Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And particularly if it's due to COVID, we're just not going to know, are we? But I'll take it from a colleagues, friends, family, patients type of thing. So I picked up patients in the webinar and we talked about if patients are coming in and they're coming in with an SSRI prescription or keeping an eye on particularly young people who are coming in with an SSRI prescription for the first time, students that are coming in. They're the kinds of signs and symptoms from a patient point of view are almost easier to spot because you know that if someone's taking an SSRI for the first time, they're obviously struggling. And they might even come in and ask you and say, I don't want to take medication. You know, is there anything herbal that I could take for these things? So, you know, you can have those conversations with patients. That's that's almost a bit more straightforward than it is when you're talking about colleagues and friends and family who might be struggling. And I think first thing to think about is I picked up three things in the webinar, three main concerns that I had around the long term impact of COVID on mental health. One was loneliness. The second was stress. And the third was trauma. And so these are the things that we need to look out for in our colleagues and in our loved ones as well, in that you might know somebody who whilst they live with other people if they are alone most of the day if they've been working from home since sort of february march and they're alone most of the day and they might not have a huge amount of interaction with the people that they live with chances are they might also be feeling lonely and isolated it's not just the people that live on their own it's not just people who are elderly and might live on their own this can absolutely impact everyone and we should never underestimate the impact of loneliness on our mental health it's a massive cause of depression and ill mental health that feeling of of loneliness and we're all feeling it aren't we that lack of human contact that lack of being able to socialize with people and you know at the moment we can go and have a coffee with people in certain places but as the lockdown restrictions get tighter and tighter we're going to lose some of those freedoms that we've got used to in the last few months and so this is going to become more of an issue and so if you've got someone that you work with or that you know that either lives on their own or that their home situation is such that they spend a lot of time on their own. You just want to make sure that they're okay. You just want to be checking in on them regularly and you just want to let them know and say, look, you know, if you ever need someone to talk to or if you ever want to go for a walk or anything like that, I'm here, just let me know. That again is a really big thing. When it comes to mental health, I cannot stress it enough. 
people shy away from having those conversations because it's awkward and we're British and we're all very, you know, proper about these things. We don't like to have these difficult conversations, but we absolutely need to and start having those conversations around mental health and just saying to people, how are you doing? Asking them how they are and actively listening. So easy when you ask that question to be doing a million other things, checking your email, your social media, serving a patient on the phone, whatever it might be. So if you're going to ask somebody that question of how are you doing? How are things going for you? Just make sure that you've got the time to really sit and listen to their response and actively respond. And most people will say to you, they're fine. I'm fine. Yeah, everything's fine. And you want to go back with a second. No, but really, are you really okay? Because that's usually what people need before they will open up. I know that from first-hand experience, particularly when I was going through my own struggles and people used to ask me if I was okay. Of course, I'd say, well, I'm fine. Yeah, everything's good. No problems. You know, it would have taken a couple of times of people saying, no, are you really okay? Then I might have been a bit more honest and truthful about what was going on. And then the same around the sort of stress and trauma. Again, we can see the visible signs of stress. You can see when people are emotionally snapping. You can see when they're being pushed to their limit. If people are close to tears quite often, particularly if there's no reason for them to be close to tears, like it's something that's not very severe, but they just suddenly respond in that way. And you can see that they're quite emotional. Again, that can be that sign and symptom of things perhaps maybe not being as well as they could be. If you've got people who are stopping to look after themselves, that's a really big sign. Again, it's really easy, isn't it? If you're not going out in the day and you're at home, whether you're furloughed or working from home, you can just stay in your pyjamas and not really look after your appearance, not really look after yourself. And so it's going to be difficult to try and differentiate what is somebody actually just, we're at home so we don't need to to bother getting dressed versus somebody actually I'm not going to bother looking after myself anymore because what's the point? That's going to be quite a difficult differentiation for you to make. And again, it comes back to how are you? How are you doing? Are you managing to look after yourself? Is everything going okay? These types of open questions that you can ask that will give you a clue as to what's really going on for them. And the same with trauma. We're all going to have that sense of trauma because you know we might lose loved ones or we're going to be put into situations that are going to be really stressful. And so it's looking out for each other is probably the key thing that I can say around how to, to, to sort of spot when there is a problem, be there for each other, look out for each other, check in regularly, have that, again, open lines of communication and just watch for signs where they might be saying they're worried about things or they're not sleeping or they're struggling to switch off at night or they're just sitting in bed all day watching TV for sort of, you know, 12, 15 hours a day. These are all signs and symptoms that things are not right and an absolute opportunity for you to start that conversation. Kind of on that now, you've kind of covered it, but the patients that are isolating and having to shield, how can we better support those? So obviously, they're, you know, they're going to feel very isolated and it's very difficult for them to have any kind of contact with anybody. So what kind of support can we offer those patients? Yeah, and so this is different. So patients, you know, compared to sort of colleagues and, and loved ones, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because we won't be seeing our patients as frequently as we would see, you know, colleagues and, and loved ones. So it is slightly different from, from the previous question, and I would say, again, I know many of my friends who've literally traversed the country to go and set their elderly parents up with technology so that they are able to stay connected with the outside world. And so you might be surprised by how many of your patients that you can access now through technology. And so there are a number of different initiatives that you can set up. You know, we know we're going to be here now for six months. 
right? So again, it's that let's be proactive, let's not be reactive, let's see what can we do to try and put the well-being of our patients above and beyond what we've ever done in the past. So can we do things like online events? Can you do something on social media or if you've got a pharmacy app, is there anything that you can do through, through that where patients can contact you, particularly if they're isolating? Is there anything that you can do within the community? Can you hold a Zoom event, for instance? Something like that where it's a drop-in where people can ask questions or it's just actually a bit of a, a social or they can access you as the pharmacy team. There's a number of different things that you can do here. And I know certainly within my local community and others that holding things like Zoom events have been really, really popular because people are at home during the day and actually being able to just come on and have, it might even just be an hour a week where you hold a Zoom event, people can come on, they can chat to other people and if they've got any questions around medicational healthcare or COVID or anything like that, they can ask the healthcare professional who, who is the, the trained expert and can give some expert advice on it. And that's a really good way of doing it. Or even if you have a surgery hour where people can call into the pharmacy where you have a dedicated hour during the week and say, look, if you've got any problems or if you've got any issues with your medication, we're available either through the app or on the phone at such and such time. And it's almost a bit like a surgery in inverted commas, you know, for patients where they can come and speak to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the pharmacist. You can have a mental health champion within the pharmacy that is one of the support staff that can lead on this for you. And effectively, those support staff are your eyes and ears at the moment. So if they're seeing things, either if a patient comes in and talks to them and says something or on one of these events that hear something that they're a bit concerned about, they can come and tell you. And then you can, you know, sort of put an action plan in place of what you can do locally. And finally, I think the other thing that we can do is there are things and resources and groups locally that are in place for the mental well-being of patients, not just people who are shielding, but patients who've got COVID as well. So what things are happening locally? Again, get the mental health champion to look into this. It just takes a bit of time to, to look up on social media. What things are in place locally for patients and for shielding patients and for elderly patients and for all those kind of vulnerable people who are at risk of mental illness, where you can then signpost and say, actually, you know what, there's this website or there's this group and they meet online and you can actually then give patients some like actual real practical ways of dealing with how they might be feeling. Was there anything else that you wanted to to touch on? There were all like everything you said there was, was brilliant and really helpful. I think people will find it really useful, actually, this podcast. I suppose what I want to say is just keep talking. I'm here to help and support there are other organisations, as I've already mentioned, pharmacist support that's there as well to help and support. And so you're not on your own. Don't try and deal with all of this on your own and, and put it on your shoulder. Again, you know, we're really bad for this as pharmacists, as pharmacy managers. We take so much on ourselves and we really struggle to let some things go. And I would just say, seek help. Don't think that it's a weakness or that, you know, you can't cope or that people will think, oh, you know, she, she's not able to do this, that and the other just ask for help and look for the some of the things that are out there get your team involved in some of this as well and yeah as i said reach out and come and have a conversation with me i'm more than happy as i said to talk about things that you can do within your pharmacy to safeguard yourself and your teams yes it's going to be a rocky five six months but let's prepare ourselves as best as we can so that we're not caught on the back foot and that we're really equipping ourselves and our teams to tackle this in the best way that we can That was Harpreet Channel, the founder of the Mental Wealth Academy. 
discussing how mental health has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Harper gave us some practical tips on how we can prepare for a second wave and how we can support both pharmacy team members and also patients in the next six months. Head over to the CND website where you'll be able to find the highlights from the webinar where we discussed with a panel of experts the long-term effects of COVID-19 in people who've been affected by the virus. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to hear more from CND, you could subscribe to CND Podcasts on your Google or Apple Podcasts app or on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. Thank you.